Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and as always, so grateful that you are here with me today, wherever you are. My morning started off a little rocky, not rocky. So the message that I want to evoke here is that reasons like this are why I meditate. So this morning, I had put a little bit um, too much almond milk in my coffee, which put off the temperature a bit. So it was a little colder than I would prefer. So I put it in the microwave and upon pulling it out, it was this big mug too. It holds about like a cup and a half, two cups of coffee. So we're talking a lot of coffee and it toppled over and it went everywhere. And so when I say everywhere, I mean all over my white walls, all over the floor, in the microwave, under the microwave, which seeped down into like three drawers filled with like utensils and stuff. It was such a disaster. And fortunately, I didn't burn myself or anything like that. But I just took like a couple steps back, probably yelled. I don't remember, like said something like, oh, my gosh. And I just had this like light smile on my face of like, c'est la vie, right? Like, and so it is. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, this is why I meditate because prior to meditating or having this like mindfulness approach of like, it is what it is. I, I'm not going to lie, even though I'm a little embarrassed prior to that, like, let's say a year and a half to two years ago, I probably would have started crying, um, or cursing or just let that like completely affect my morning and, you know, wipe this clean slate. And I would have just let that be the guiding force for how the rest of my day, Um, continued. And so I just want to tell that story as a perspective of, you know, the changes that we really can make um, mentally and just kind of how we tackle situations and obstacles, such as spilling two cups of coffee all over um, your kitchen and on yourself. It was definitely all over my clothes too. So that is how my morning started. But we are off to a lovely start regardless. Something else that I wanted to announce is that the Declutter Method course is live today. I'm so excited. This is for the early bird pricing only. So if you are on the list, if you signed up for the pre-registration, you got an email this morning with your discount code and the link to the course. If you are interested in getting this 50% off code, you can go ahead and sign up using the link in the show notes. And from there, you'll automatically get that email with the code. So this only is active until March 24th. Um, It actually expires on the evening of March 23rd. So uh, come March 24th, it will be open to the public and the coupon will no longer be valid. So this will be regular pricing. Um, For those of you who maybe aren't familiar, just a quick recap on what this course is and why I designed it. I am just so passionate about it because it's something that completely transformed my life. And as human beings, we love instant gratification, right? And that's something that I really value about this practice is that the, you know, the outcome is instant. You feel the impact straight away. So this course is designed for anyone who's looking to free themselves once and for all from the burden that is clutter, people who want to reclaim their life and just really no longer want to spend every day feeling swallowed by their own home and mind for that matter, because this is the place that's supposed to evoke peace and clarity and just act as like a sliver of serenity. 
It's also designed for people who just want to allow more time for pleasure and fun and adventure and surprise. So essentially, you're just reclaiming time to do the things that you actually want to do. And lastly, the most important piece of this work is it really helps to reprogram your mind so that clutter is no longer a fallback option. Once you've done this deep work, it's really, really hard to go backwards. And I'm speaking from experience. Sure, there are moments where I start to teeter back into old habits and sometimes I follow through, but the mindfulness is there. I'm so aware of the patterns that I'm that I'm recreating and that I'm falling back on. So doing this work really brings that self-awareness to the forefront where you're far less likely to re-hoard or re-invite all of this clutter into your life and into your mind. So again, I can be sure that this works because it's the work that I did. So with coronavirus being... It just makes me so sad. But with that being at the forefront of the world right now, this also is truly the perfect time to take control in a situation that does feel quite helpless. Um, It's such a healing practice to be able to really just clear your home and clear your mind of all these things that are just distracting and taking up space. So if this is something that you are feeling called to, I encourage you to sign up below in the show notes and get that 50% off. Um, This is also a really beautiful time to be able to take advantage of this time of isolation with everything going on with the corona pandemic and us being um, quarantined to our homes. This is a really, really healing practice and the perfect time to just sort of take control in a time that feels a little bit helpless and like things are out of our control. Utilizing that and and just hungering down into our homes and really going through all of our items and then doing that deep work um, on our emotions as well to reprogram and just begin again. So again, all that information is down in the show notes for you to sign up. Um, The coupon will expire again at midnight on March 23rd, and then it will be open to the public um, at full price. So either way, this course is here for you. You can do it at your own pace. It is designed as a six-week course, but if you're anything like me, I like to just dedicate a day or a weekend and just plow through. Again, instant gratification is something that I'm a huge fan of. So when it's guaranteed, I tend to go for it. But again, you can do it at your own pace and this course doesn't expire. So if you ever feel like you need to revisit and do it two times over, three, four times over, it's here for you. Okay, on to something else that I wanted to share. I have been obsessed with Architectural Digest's YouTube series called Open Door. Oh my gosh. So as I've mentioned, I am house hunting right now or condo hunting, I suppose. And it's been so, so expansive for me to see some of these homes on this show. And given they are celebrity homes who are living in multi-million dollar mansions. So that's not exactly what I'm after, but it's still been really expansive to just A, see what's out there. And more than anything, I have such a huge passion for interior design. So it's been one of my favorite things to get to see how people decorate their homes and all the different styles that come through. So yesterday, I literally sat with my computer and went through every single episode. They're like 10 minutes long each. Um, And I just sat there with kombucha and moved on to tea and just divulged into all these home tours. And I have to say Dakota Johnson's home was by far my favorite. I 
like I mentioned, I got through just about all of them yesterday and came down to Dakota Johnson's being my favorite. Mandy Moore's is a close second. It's beautiful. And Jessica Alba's is incredible too, mainly due to all the land that she has in her insane backyard. But I'm getting carried away. I just wanted to spread the wealth for anyone who might be intrigued by interior design as well um, and love to do little home tours and like go to open houses. That is my jam. And it's just like a cool little getaway that you can do on your computer if you're just needing something light and uplifting during this time right now with everything going on in the world. So I'll include that link below in the show notes for anyone who's interested in checking it out. So today's episode, I have... A beautiful, beautiful soul. Her name is Kelsey Mazeski, and she's an incredible writer. Um, she has a blog called The Intuitive Swan, and she also is suffering from chronic illness, Lyme disease, which some of you might be familiar with, some maybe not. After this episode, you will know all the ins and outs of this chronic disease, but more than that, Kelsey is just such a powerful vessel and she really sheds so much beautiful perspective on, you know, living with this chronic disease and what it's taught her and really tapping into her own personal self and her own intuition and, um, starting, starting with herself to heal from within. Um, I think this is such a powerful message, not only for those who are suffering from chronic illness, but, you know, for those of us who maybe know someone who is, or just being hyper aware, um, and empathetic to, you know, the people out in the world who are. So I really hope that you take away as much as I did from this beautiful conversation with Kelsey. And if you have just 20 seconds, once the episode is over, I would just be so grateful if you would leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps the podcast to grow and just lands in the laps of the people who need it most. And it also allows for me to be able to continue to bring on amazing guests like Kelsey to the show. Also, one thing that we talk about in the episode um, that I forgot to plug at the end, so I'm doing it here in the intro, but um, you'll notice that Kelsey and I talk about um, Freeze and Float, which is a um, float tank and cryo center in Chicago. She has a discount code to share with all of you guys. I'm definitely going to take advantage of it. So if you want to visit the website and book your appointment, I will leave that uh, link in the show notes and just enter the code Kelsey15 for $10 off. That's Kelsey15 for the freeze and float tank in Chicago. Okay, so let's jump into today's episode. So as I mentioned in the intro, Kelsey is a really beautiful human who's mindfully healing her body from Lyme disease and has such a unique, gentle, and just all-around lovely perspective and outlook on life, and I just couldn't wait to share her with all of you. So Kelsey, I'm so grateful that you've made the time to come on the show and to share yourself with us. I'm extremely passionate about mindfulness as well and just such an advocate for using it as a guiding force for the human experience as a whole. And I just can't wait to dive into how you use it as a healing tool. And this is something that while I personally can't relate to, I'm just really grateful to you for shedding light on living with chronic illness and just being your biggest advocate and healer. So thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Thank you for that lovely intro. Yeah, so I always like to start off by asking my guests to paint a picture for their audience of just your current surroundings. So what does life look like for you right now in this present moment? Well, um, we are in the midst of the coronavirus 
outbreak. So things are definitely a little bit different than they were last week. Although I was actually um, speaking about this last night in the sense that when you have a chronic illness, like this past weekend hasn't necessarily looked that different from most of my weekends, which Mm -hmm. are spent kind of just as a homebody resting, um, you know, and when you have a chronic illness like Lyme disease, um, which I've been recovering from, there's a lot of unknowns and, um, you know, you kind of get used to that after a certain point. And I think that's something the whole world is trying to wrap their head around now and trying to take preventive measures. And, you know, even though you try and prepare or rest as much as you can, you know, the outcome isn't always guaranteed. So, you know, you just kind of have to learn to live with those ups and downs. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I loved when we were chatting just a little bit before you were like, I'm just not really panicking right now. It's like, you know, you've kind of been through the ringer and, um, to an extent, you know, it's sort of the, the, the positive side of, you know, being so familiar with chronic illness. It's, um, yeah, it's like a state of familiarity almost to just take care. It's just about being smart and knowing what puts your mind and your body at ease and doing whatever you can in terms of preventative measures. And Mm -hmm. like I got an IV drip this weekend and, you know, I like to believe that helps and Mm -hmm. that gave me a little bit peace of mind and staying and following the, you know, precautions and just doing whatever can set yourself up for success. Right. So let's get into your background a bit. So where are you from and what was your childhood like? Absolutely. So I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. I um, lived with my parents, and I actually I've lived with my brother downtown Chicago for almost five years now. Oh, that's fun! Been, yeah, it's been a really special and unique experience. Um, we get along really well, and I adore him. So, but I grew up dancing and really active childhood, and um, we grew up spending our summers in. Wisconsin and Door County, which is absolutely wonderful. Oh, I love Door um, County. I during the, yeah, I mean, I, it's I magical work there every summer. Aww. Yeah, because there's more job opportunities just to have fun. And I, I mean, my childhood was wonderful, really, no complaints, nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, my family loves to travel, so I grew up traveling a lot, and that's kind of been something that's always been instilled in me. I love exploring other cultures. I've lived abroad a couple times in Argentina and Peru. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and um, I'd love to live abroad again um, within the next few years. So we'll see how that all pans out. That's amazing. I love Argentina so much. I've yet to go to Peru, but Argentina, like, took my breath away. I loved it. The people were so amazing. Yes. Yeah, Buenos Aires is a yes. Yeah, it's like a hidden gem. I think it's now starting to become a little bit more discovered as far as tourism. But when I went, it was still kind of under the radar. Um, and just like the food and wine are just ridiculous. Yeah, so good. Yeah, just so many different neighborhoods to mm-hmm. explore. Yeah. Kind of like New York in that sense. Yeah, yeah, that's it's very true. Very, very pockety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we briefly touched on, um, you suffer from a chronic illness called Lyme's disease. So would you mind sharing with the listeners who might not be familiar with what this is? Yeah. So Lyme disease is a bacterial infection that most people contract from ticks, um, um, but you can also get it from mosquitoes and flies. Um, so, And it causes really vague symptoms like chronic fatigue, joint or muscle pain, headaches, um, like erratic heartbeat, short-term memory problems, 
So the list of symptoms is across the board, which makes it really hard to diagnose. Mm. But Lyme disease is one of the fastest vector-borne infectious diseases in the United States. So we have about an estimated 400,000 people who have been diagnosed with Lyme disease in the United States. But, you know, those are the only ones who received an accurate diagnosis, which Mm -hmm. is very hard to do. So, I mean, the numbers of people who actually suffer from this disease um, are likely much higher. So I was very lucky in that sense that I received a diagnosis fairly early on. Um, And I was diagnosed by um, a DO at Northwestern. And she was like, I think you have Lyme disease. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I've had all these other health problems for the past eight years. I don't need to add something else to my list of issues. And I was in denial for a little bit. um, And I was on a break from work at that point. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm going back to work. And then um, about a month later, it became very clear that I was Mm. still too sick to work. So um, I accepted the diagnosis. And really today, I've kind of come to understand that it was likely the underlying cause for my neurological and cardiac issues that I've had for almost a decade now. So um, I've had seizures and syncope. So my heart rate would, my heart would stop um, and I'd pass out. Um, and just issues of chronic fatigue. So I I had a pacemaker implanted a couple years ago and, um, I, you know, and then I started treating Lyme disease and fortunately I have seen substantial improvements and I actually went back to work two and a half months ago on a part-time basis after being, um, taking a two year medical leave from my job. Wow. So yeah, you're catching me at a time where I'm just so thankful to be where I'm at for the progress I've made and the people who have supported me throughout this extensive journey. And I'm just really, I'm filled with so much joy to be able to return to work and and a job that I really enjoy and just to be pursuing my blog and writing. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm also teaching yoga and meditation because that's been an important component of my healing journey. Just the role that your mind plays in, um, Healing. Oh, that's so great. I'll have to come to one of your classes. I'll get that information from you. That would be awesome. Oh, please do. Yeah. So you had mentioned that Lyme's disease can be hard to um, diagnose. Is that because it um, it duplicates or it mirrors other illnesses? Or is it just sort of this big mystery? Um, a little bit of everything. Okay. It can be misdiagnosed as um MS or lupus Mm, um, mm -hmm. or like anxiety and depression, um, just other autoimmune disorders primarily. And the testing is fairly unreliable. And most people think that you have Lyme disease if you have the bullseye rash um, after the immediate tick bite. But I think only 30% of people have that rash. Mm -hmm. So And then there's two different types of Lyme tests that are primarily used, one test for the antibodies and one test for the actual like traces of the Lyme bacteria. And it's kind of like the coronavirus where it doesn't always, there's a phase where you may have Lyme disease and, but it doesn't show up in your system yet Mm. um, within the blood work. So if you get tested immediately after a tick bite, it's likely not going to test positive. So then they're like, oh, you don't have Lyme disease. And so you don't actually start treating it for a while and it's much harder to 
treat successfully, the longer you wait Mm. to begin that process. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have a beautiful blog. You are such an amazing writer. Um, Honestly, yeah, you are so talented. Um, I'm curious of, did you have a defining moment when you realized that you wanted to share your journey with chronic illness publicly? How did that sort of come about? Um, I had been sick for a while and on a medical leave and was spending most of the time at my parents' house. And I just, from everything that I had learned about Lyme disease, and it's a really misunderstood illness, I wanted to share my story. And I am not normally someone who's... um, likes to talk about themselves a lot Mm -hmm. or, you know, share these kind of like difficult, well, anyways, I just wanted to make a difference and share my story to really help educate people about Lyme disease Mm -hmm. and be on the lookout because it was nowhere near in my, um, awareness at the time. And I just, you know, to help prevent the spread of this disease and help people receive the right treatment. And also, I had no idea that, you know, chronic illnesses affected so many um, Americans. Mm -hmm. And between, I also have chronic fatigue syndrome and the syncope episodes, you know, everyone is battling something. And I think when we spread awareness, it really helps to make people feel a little bit less alone. Absolutely. I just love the opportunity. And today I'm so grateful this has been a little bit over a year, but just to create more of a community and a dialogue around these issues that people I think really weren't used to talking about until like the past maybe few years. Mm-hmm. And so if you need support, it's there. And likely if you are on Instagram, Facebook, you can find people or even Reddit who are going through what you're going through. And hopefully you can learn from their experience and take what you can in terms of your treatment or your outlook. Absolutely. I think especially like with social media and stuff like that, it can be painted in such a, such a dim light. Um, and I always try and remember that piece of it, that there are so many people out there like yourself who are spreading this love across the board of just like, yeah, you're not in this alone. And you know, it's almost like this, um, you know, intense meetup group and yeah, it's digital, but like you can find this group of people who are just like you or going through something that you're going through as well. And you up until this point hadn't been able to find that support group. So I think social media in that way is such a powerful tool and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, I used to be self-conscious about sharing only sharing all the good stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said that I'm sick, but um, yeah, I, you know, I struggle. And so I think it's okay to share like the good and the bad. And, you know, you just have to be specific about the opinions that do and should matter to you. And, you know, you have to accept that if you're sharing your life in social media, you're never going to be able to satisfy everyone, but that's okay because, you know, you do connect firmly with the people who really understand what you're going through. Yeah. So speaking of that, actually, um, I, I understand the importance of staying positive and um, trying to, you know, find the perspective. And we'll definitely get to that. But I think it's equally as important as we just talked to 
talked about is to touch on the really difficult pieces, the really hard pieces, because I think that in that area is where people feel really alone. So can you shed some of your own experience on like what's been the hardest part of this journey for you? Yes. I would say that my preconceived idea of when I would need to accomplish certain things by Mm. like self-imposed timelines Mm -hmm. was the biggest one for me because, um, 29 and basically every two years um in my 20s I've had a pretty substantial crash related to my health and that's in one sense in my old sense that's kind of held me back and it's been hard to um, not let myself succumb to comparison of other people who have just had like an upward trajectory they haven't had any kind of setback and that's been hard for me and I still have days where I'm like, oh my God, I wish I was further ahead. I want to accomplish this and this by the time I was mm-hmm. 30. But, you know, that's not realistic. And I am truly grateful for what this Lyme diagnosis that I received two years ago because it's helped me to get well, to receive proper treatment, and to build this blog and community, which I never would have done if I hadn't had this experience and these ups and downs with my health. And it's truly made me more resilient at the end of the day. Like, I've been through some really low points, but I always manage to recover and just begin again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So I want to share something that you wrote. Um, just the raw honesty cracked me wide open, and I really feel like it's worth sharing. So I'm going to read just um, a little excerpt. Still, I can't help but worry. When I finally tell the person I'm dating I have a chronic illness, it feels like I'm giving up my ability to control how they perceive me. I want to be seen as accomplished and adventurous, to feel attractive and desired. Admitting to someone chronic Lyme disease is the reason I'm on disability, require financial support from my parents, and sometimes struggle to walk from the bedroom to the bathroom is not a topic I want to discuss on a first or even a third date. So this is from a piece you wrote for The Mighty, around dating with Lyme disease. I'm going to link it below in the show notes for listeners to read, but can you walk us through what that journey's been like, what that was like cracking open like that, and just the after effects that that had on just, I guess, you in general and any anxiety that came through? Sure. Um, Well, prior to my, right before my Lyme diagnosis, I'd been in a relationship. It was long distance. And I knew like something was wrong with my health. Some like something else was going on, and I wasn't able to receive the accurate diagnosis. And I really had to step back and prioritize my health and end that relationship. And then, like I was following my gut, and then two weeks later, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I was like, mm. okay, this all makes sense. So, on the one hand, I sometimes you you have to prioritize your energy as a spoonie you only have so much energy to give to activities other people whatnot so for a while I was single and that was absolutely fine with me I needed to focus on my health I stayed with my parents who helped me recover and took care of me which was really um I was very fortunate to receive their support in that sense 
But once I started to get better, I was like, all right, like I'm ready to get back out there and see what I can do in terms of dating, like just activities, enjoying my life a little bit more. So I started dating and, you know, this is a huge vulnerability Mm -hmm. and it took a lot of courage to open up and share that, you know, hey, we have a date scheduled for Thursday night, but you know, there's always a chance that I'm not going to be able to make it. And dating, when your health isn't always as reliable as you would like it to be, and I like to remind people that you're not unreliable, it's really your health that's mm, unreliable. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to establish a new relationship, and you do want to show off the best of who you are, but, you know, I realized by being more vulnerable and intimate and opening up, um, about these struggles can help you to connect with someone a little bit sooner than I think you normally would. And so honestly, I went out, you know, I dated a little bit and I found, you know, there was no point in delaying what my life had looked like. Mm -hmm. And at this point I wasn't working either, which is something I was kind of self-conscious about as well. But I mean, if someone can't accept all of you, then that person probably isn't right for you. And that's truly what it comes down to. And, you know, everyone, you want to be with someone who is kind and empathetic and compassionate and knows what you've been through, but, and knows that you never know how things are going to play out in the future and you need someone who's going to be your partner. Mm Mm-hmm throughout all of that and if you can cut to the chase and see if you can connect on that deeper level sooner rather than later then there's less energy wasted absolutely yeah absolutely and yes that goes for like you know your specific situation but just in general you know like yeah I love that so yeah that piece is such a true testament I think to not only owning your truth but recognizing your worth as a human being right so recognizing that you're still so worthy of love and others' time and acceptance and just being able to ride those waves of anxiety and recognize it as human. It's like authenticity at its core. So what about your relationships with your family and friends? Have there been relationships that you've had to like let go of or that have shown themselves to you in a different light since um, dealing with chronic illness? Because I know that you know, it changes your, your social commitments and, you know, having to really hunker down and take care. Yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, generally speaking, unless other people have experienced something similar themselves, it's difficult for them to fathom the debilitating effects of like physical and mental of like unrelenting fatigue or pain. Like everyone, I say I'm exhausted and people are like, yeah, like we've all been exhausted, but I'm like, no, Mm. I haven't had the energy to take a shower. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, you just need to provide little details like that. I think to put things in perspective, but um, it's definitely my parents and my brother who understand that um, what my day to day life was really like and Mm -hmm. how much every, how much energy everything took. And in terms of friendships, you know, and any relationship, some people may never treat you the way you'd like or not follow up and still be um, a close friend or give you whatever you need. But I think in those situations, you know, the suffering I've realized is really coming from my own perception, my own mind and placing my own expectations on this person. Mm -hmm. So it's, 
my desire for someone to behave the way that I want them to. And that's yeah. not always realistic. And that's just going to cause me, um, you know, disappointment and a little bit of strife. So, you know, you see the people who are really kind of compassionate, who will check up on you. And, you know, for anyone who has a friend with a chronic illness, I mean, it means so much to receive like a text that says, you know, I hope you're as well as possible. Or if you're hanging out with them to say like, you know, you look good, but how are you really feeling? Or mm-hmm. do we need to stop visiting or hanging out so you can rest? Like oh, just yeah. little things like that go so far. So, and you just never know what's going on with someone truly. And I think chronically ill people tend to be well a lot more frequently than they pretend to be sick. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be sick all the time. Mm-hmm. And it gets really old and you've been sick for a while when people are like, oh, how are you doing? And you're like, I mean, I'm still sick. I'm still struggling. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So just be kind and compassionate and ask and you know, listen. And I think I always make a point to be, when people ask about Lyme disease, I, and when I tell them I have Lyme disease, they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, are you familiar with Lyme disease? And would you like me to tell you more about it? Yeah. To give them an out, you know, because not everyone wants to hear about that. But personally, I want to educate and help other people look out for the signs and symptoms. So I'm happy to share if they're interested in listening. You guys, for you listening, this is Mindfulness 101. Everything that's coming out of your mouth is like such a great lesson and just the, yeah, the overlying message of mindfulness. You know, it's taking yourself into account, but it's also taking other people into account as well. And I just love what you said about, you know, truly listening and kind of taking back the 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 top layer of, you know, people who are ill pretending to be fine. I mean, I can relate from the stance of like when my dad was, um, battling cancer, it was the same thing. You know, it was three years of him feeling horrible, but after a while it's like, he didn't want to be this like negative, you know, vessel. He, he wanted to evoke light and positivity, but you know, being his kid, it was just like some of my favorite moments are him at his worst and we're laying in bed or sitting in chairs next to each other. And I'm just like, you can talk freely now. You know, like, yeah, just just like let it out right here. Like, how are you really, you know? Um, And then that does, that did give him the energy to move forward and to be able to genuinely actually feel lighter around other people because you have a safe space. You have that community. You have those people asking and checking on you, you know, where you can release. So I think that's so important. Yeah, a judgment-free zone is really important to absolutely release any of that. Yeah, and the expectation piece was so beautiful that you touched on. I think that's something, too, that can be a little difficult to learn, but um, trying to level those out, you know, trying not to walk into anything with too high of expectations because that's often when we're disappointed or let down, just coming in neutral. Mm -hmm. And I do try to caveat whenever I make plans, even, even still to this day, I say there's a chance Mm. I may not feel up for it, but I, um, really hope I can, because I would love to see or spend time with you. And if I can't Mm -hmm. make it like a friend of mine, we're supposed to go to, um, a meditation and like Reiki session next week. And with all the quarantine, she's like, do you just want to have FaceTime instead? And like, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like this, you know, there's still ways to connect even if you can't do it in person. Absolutely. 
So aside from the healing modalities, you know, given to you by doctors, what have been the most impactful healing tools that you've created for yourself? Because I know a big part of your website and the Intuitive Swan brand, you're, you're very passionate about using mindfulness to heal. But can you be a little bit more specific on what that looks like for you? Yeah, I think a big part of that has been no longer associating with being a sick person. Mm. And that probably started last fall. And I was definitely seeing improvements. And I was starting to see the the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I took a little break from Instagram and I stepped back because I didn't want to see so many reminders of other people who were in similar situations. And I absolutely respect that. But for me, I needed to set those boundaries and think about the good. And I didn't want to be stuck in the cycle of thinking that I would never be better and that this was it. And your mind has so much power to create the reality that we live in I mean it's all perception right Mm -hmm. so I have the ability to choose how I respond to my circumstances to anything around me and I was just like okay I am a healing healthy person and I do I I read this somewhere that instead of saying that um, I have Lyme disease I would even change my mentality well try to for the most part and say that my, um, oh my God, what is it? Lyme disease is in my body, but it is on its way out. Oh you know? yeah. Something oh, I love that. that. Like, it's not even, yeah, to try and disassociate a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not ignoring the truth of the matter, but I, um, and I really saw myself being healthy and actually started a meditation teacher training program this past fall, which was, the timing was just beautiful in terms of deepening my meditation practice and you know a lot of times people think that meditation is about silencing your thoughts it's not it's really about that that can be one aspect of it but another portion of it is truly just observing your thoughts Mm -hmm. and that helped me to recognize the any negative thought patterns or what I like to call the brain train when our mind our mind starts spiraling down um, Mm -hmm. into a place of anxiety or worry or fear and you know I've been able to kind of step back from that and say and recognize when I'm going down that trajectory and be like hey no I am a healthy person this is what I you know I don't necessarily know what tomorrow is going to look like but I am hopeful for the best and I think hope is a huge part of living and healing from a chronic illness like I just always I, with each day I continued to move forward and just hope for the best and mm-hmm. a lot of the time that has come to fruition within the past six months mm, I love that I really love the piece of um looking at you know your Lyme disease as moving its way out um and just not treating it as stagnant you know not not acting like yeah, it's a permanent phase yeah it's like it's it's fluid you know, it came in and it's on its way out. I love that so much. And that go, I think that can go for anything too. Like anyone suffering through depression or, you know, even just like heartbreak, anything like that of like, it is here, but it's on its way out. I love that. Yeah. And you need to feel all Mm -hmm. those feelings. I had a little anxiety a couple of weeks ago, which is a 
something um, I frequently experienced. Mm-hmm, same. And I needed, it just seemingly came out of nowhere and I was trying to process it and I have to talk out loud or have someone I couldn't come up with the reasons where these were coming from on my own. And it took about a week for me to realize, oh, yeah, there have been a lot of underlying stressful factors that have occurred in the past couple of months. And I realized that even though I wasn't consciously like ruminating on things, subconsciously, these were weighing on me and causing this underlying stress. So it was a good reminder that I need to process the stress and of an event that comes up like as it in real time in the present moment and I can't just bury it because it will all come like roiling to the surface at one point or another and then you have a little bit more to deal with so just one day at a time one feeling and you know feelings are energy and motion and once you feel them acknowledge them and learn what you can you let them go and you move on mm, absolutely so what kind of meditation do you practice? Do you find cuz there's a bunch of different kinds, but do you find that one is more helpful than others? Mm, so I still do about 50% guided, mm-hmm. half guided and then half just on my own and I truly just kind of listen to my intuition in terms mm-hmm. of what I need and it's, I, I teach, um, an insight class and then a breath based class as well. And I find that when I'm having a little bit more anxiety, the breath focused meditations are really beneficial in meditation or honestly, just even when you're at a doctor's office or anywhere where you're getting a little, um, you know, overstimulated, worried. Mm -hmm. So your breath, and I, I like to tell people that when it feels like you can't manage everything just manage your breath and Mm -hmm. let that be enough and our breath is the number one tool that brings us into the present moment Mm -hmm. right it anchors our awareness in like that fundamental rhythmic process so for anxiety for high anxiety i think the breath focus just simple breathing exercises like inhaling for four counts hold for four counts and then exhale for four counts is really effective in Mm -hmm. calming the nervous system and the body and then other times when i'm feeling a little bit more like open like spiritually and energetically open Mm -hmm. I really just like to invoke um just see what comes and then I guess the third type would be to focus on a positive affirmation or Mm -hmm. a mantra like a Vedic like I am yeah like I am open to receiving or you know um I am enough those are pretty powerful ones so but for beginners, you know, there's so many accessible tools to help you meditate, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think once people, um, they, everyone kind of finds the right path for them. And Absolutely. It's and you just have to follow your intuition. Absolutely. What works best for you. My intuition keeps pulling me. I mean, it's, it's kind of silly that I haven't gotten into this yet. I'm trying not to judge myself or my process, but I'm, I'm big into meditation. It's been really helpful for me with... Um, you know, my grieving process and my newfound physical anxiety. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I've been wanting to really carve out and make the time to focus strictly on breath work. I have yet to do that. Um, And that's kind of where I want to dedicate, you know, this, this isolation time with everything going on with 
the corona pandemic is I vowed to myself, I'm like, this is when I'm going to really dive into breath work because, gosh, I feel like more so now than ever, it's imperative, right, to have that tool with kind of all the unknown and the chaos going around. Um, do you have any – so you teach an insight breath work class. Is that is that right? You have something on that app? Oh, no. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, insight. Just give me a few months and I will be on that. Um, so I've been manifesting that for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, so I've been teaching at Chill Chicago. Oh, yeah. Absolutely wonderful meditation. Is that on Kinsey? Yoga space. Yeah. Oh. Merchandise Mart. Oh, my gosh. I keep there. driving by that. and I'm like, I'm going to go. It looks amazing. You you need to. We, oh. okay, that's what we're going to do when all this is over. Great. We're, we're going to go to class, but they offer an insight class. And oh, I see. I see. Okay. But it still pretty much is up to the teacher to kind of, um, direct, you know, the flow sure. of the class, which yeah. is, yeah, which is great. There's a lot of flexibility and freedom. And, um, a few days ago I focused, um, I led a med- meditation on trying to, um, let go of um, worry and anxiety and you do that by kind of noticing where that feeling manifests in your body yeah and then you know when you place your hand over your heart that signals to the brain um, to instill more kindness love and compassion to yourself and Mm -hmm. it like literally slows it calms everything down isn't that crazy your heart that's so crazy it, it really is yeah so you know, I kind of just like go with the flow, whatever comes up with me. And then I've been trying to take into account what I think other people will need. And sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't, but you know, you just gotta do the best that you can. Mm-hmm. And hope that. I mean, even if you just make a difference for one student mm-hmm. or one follower, one friend, that's, that that's enough. Yeah. And I just love this conversation so much too, because it's such a good reminder to everyone, even like myself, that it really starts with us. And I think as humans, it's so normal for us to like look outside for all of the answers and the cures and not to say that we don't need assistance and outside help. Of course we do, but truly like a lot of the healing, which is, you know, a big part of like what you stand for and you know what your voice is used for is that it really does start with us you know and what we have available to ourselves to kind of slow things down and bring things into perspective and just start that that healing transition um simply by just like holding ourselves yeah yeah, no, that's why I think all this quarantining and social distancing is a really Mm. valuable opportunity to Mm -hmm disconnect and like you said spend more time with yourself and to reevaluate your habits change your perspective I don't know to innovate just you know step back yeah and you know slow down yeah and just to kind of talk about that for one second since we have this platform to do so I think it's really easy to when you're told that you have to do something right when you're told that you have to isolate or quarantine it's so easy to then let yourself feel a little crazy and Mm -hmm. to feel frustrated by that. And, you know, even for me, I'm a natural born introvert. So (laughs) really this is like a party for me. Like I'm like, yay, an excuse to like, like, I have to like stay home. But on the flip side, I noticed myself being like a little agitated and like, I don't, 
I don't want to. Like, I can't see my friends. I can't X, Y, Z. And of course, like the greater picture is far more important. I'm just kind of going through like the mental chatter. Um, That's natural. Yeah, exactly. It's human. And I think what's so important here is to kind of, you know, flip the script and go back to all of the times that you've said that you wanted to do X, Y, and Z, but you don't have the time or you're so tired and you just wish that you could like work from home this one day, like really trying to utilize it, not as like a snow day, but like as a gift, you know, to really tap into the fact that like we as a whole nation are going through this at the exact same time. And that's really, really, really powerful. And to, you know, treat it as a lesson and a gift, kind of like what you said, to just really be with yourself and to utilize this time to kind of reset and um, refocus as a whole. So I think that's important to to touch on. I completely agree. Yeah. So I want to... I say close out, but I want to ask you a bunch of what I call rapid fire questions, but please take your time. You do not have to answer these quickly. (laughs) Um, So are you good with that? Yes. Okay, let's start. So in this season of life, what are you most grateful for? Mm, Just the ability to be more present, Mm -hmm. um, to focus on how I feel in the moment and be, I don't think I've ever been so tapped into the outlets and the things that bring me joy. Mm. And that is, comes from being able to work even like 20 hours a week, being able to walk to the grocery store um, having met my boyfriend who I'm madly in love with right now is just really beautiful time yeah. for me to grow into the person that I, I love who I'm becoming and the people I've met throughout this process. And I just, I'm so grateful for everything right now. I mean, even the bad days because they make me appreciate the good ones. Mm-hmm. What is your morning routine? If you have one. I'm not really a morning person, Um, (laughs) but this morning I woke up, and so Chill Chicago, um, they have closed their space for the next two weeks. However, on their Instagram, they are offering a live meditation every day at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. Oh, good to know. I actually joined the live stream this morning at 9 a.m. and meditated, and I normally meditate in the evenings. Although, so I really enjoyed the morning meditation and I was like, oh, this is great because I can stay in bed a few minutes longer. Yeah. So that's kind of how I looked at it. But, um, yeah, normally it's sleeping into the last possible minute and then just easing out of bed. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, my body, uh, my cortisol levels are kind of, um, all over the place. So Mm -hmm. I actually start working at noon. So I have the morning to kind of rest and, um. So, uh, not ideal, but I don't know if I'm ever going to have that morning routine that I aspire to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can still not be a morning person and, you know, have your own flow. You know, it looks different for everyone. I cannot, I don't make any commitments prior to 10 a.m. in the mornings because it's such a sacred time for me. I also like to linger. I think I drink coffee in bed for like probably an hour and a half every morning. Um, Yeah. No, I do that too. I know when I get asked to teach 
morning classes, yoga, meditation, it's a hard no. Yeah, you're like, mm, that <laughs> is not aligned for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah. I can't. So um, I know you said you, yeah. I know you said you meditate in the evening. So what does your evening routine look like then? Do you have any structure around that or is that also kind of like free flow? Um, well, now that I'm working, I really like to go to a yoga or meditation class after work. Um, I do work from home, which is wonderful. So it's nice to get out um, mm-hmm. if I have the energy to do so. But even if I don't, um, I will meditate or practice a little bit of yoga and I love cooking. So I'll cook dinner and then maybe watch an hour of TV and then meditate if I haven't done so already and do a little writing. And I always read before yeah. I go to bed too. That really helps me calm down mm-hmm. about a half hour. Um, yeah, I love my evening routines. That's just being home and cozy. Mm-hmm. So. Me too. Do you have a mantra that is personal to you, not too personal to share. I know like with Vedic meditation and stuff, it's not something that you give up, but is there, I know you had mentioned that you kind of go back to you are enough and that feels really powerful for you. Would you say that that's a mantra that you come back to often? Yes. Um, and also I, not kind of mantra, I, remind myself that just because I have limitations doesn't mean I'm not valuable Mm. and it was hard for me and I remind myself that just because I have a chronic illness doesn't mean that I'm not successful right Mm -hmm. I really had to kind of change my idea of success and to me you know things take a lot more planning and effort than it used to but effort means I'm trying and if I'm trying then I'm doing the best I can Mm mm-hmm what is your favorite act of self-care? Sleeping? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, sleeping, um, but also I mean, meditation, and mm-hmm. then I really enjoy, um, I love using an infrared sauna, mm-hmm. which has helped me through a detox throughout my mind of these process, so going to freeze and float in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's um, an absolutely beautiful space, like a total oasis from the city. And you can do infrared sauna, cryo, or floating. Like that, going there is the ultimate like self-care activity for me. You had you wrote a piece about the float tanks, right? Yes. I yeah. Did. What was that like? What was that experience like? I'm not all that familiar. Do you mind um, shedding a little bit of light on that really quick? No, sure. Um, so... Floating is it? Oh, where do I start? Um, <laughs> basically, so you are in freezing flow is great because it's not like a pod mm-hmm. that closes over you. So a lot of people worry about cla- being claustrophobic, mm-hmm. but it's um, basically an easier way to kind of access your a deep meditative state because it decreases your sensory overload your sensory input more than any other environment. So um, your sight's diminished by the darkness, your weight's eliminated by the buoyancy of the Epsom salt-infused water, no noise, um, a sense of chamber. So um, it helps the body to self-regulate and like the mind to just kind of mm. drop into a natural stress-free st- state. And it takes a couple floats to get, to really feel the benefits they say that the benefits um, build on each other and that they're mm. cumulative 
and the first one is definitely a learning curve, but um, ideally you want to float for 60 minutes and it takes your body will kind of like pop and stuff as it relaxes. But then once you're there, it's, it, it's really cool. It feels great. And I encourage people to try it. And I think a lot of the reason why people don't is based on fear, but like fear of the unknown, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. And you just, it, it's totally worth it body needs a reprieve your mind if you need a little bit extra muscle recovery um it's just a great place to kind of surrender and let go of like stress and tension Mm, I'm gonna try it I've been thinking about it for like close to a year now and I have yet to do it so now's the time well once all of this is yeah settled (laughs) yeah and if you meditate already um you'll really enjoy it Mm, okay good and you said that's at freeze and float? Yes. Okay. Uh, next question. What is your spirit animal? Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to know. <laughs> um, uh, maybe a horse, though. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I that's mean, really that's good. an animal I, like, connect with the most and adore. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with horse. Okay. If you were a color, what color would you be? Green. Green. Off the top of your head, what are three things that are making you happy right now? Um, being able to sleep in the mornings, um, puzzling, and connecting with new people, making mm-hmm. new friends. Mm-hmm. What is something that breaks your heart? I think people who are chronically ill and don't have supportive family or friends Mm -hmm. or partners, Mm -hmm. when I hear that and they're like, oh, I don't want to talk about, I don't tell so-and-so about how I'm really feeling or what happened to my doctor's appointments because they just want to understand Mm -hmm. because they've never been through anything like that, that breaks my heart because Mm -hmm. you need your inner circle to be there for you Mm -hmm. because it's going to be hard and you're going to need a little extra support and care. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that, I mean, I'm like, I will go with you. Like, what do you need? Cause mm-hmm. I want to be, help you get through whatever you need. Yeah. What soothes your soul? Um, writing, being in Door County at the cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, walking outside in nature and just seeing, um, like, drinking tea and coffee and just being grateful for mm-hmm. everything that I have right now and writing a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. As far as being in nature and being downtown, do you have any favorite spots that that kind of help ground you? Because I know sometimes it can feel like such a concrete jungle here. Um, are there yeah. any spots that really um, resonate with you? So I live a block from the Riverwalk, mm. so I I love going down there, and Chicago's just such a stunning, beautiful city, and then um, walking down to the lake, mm-hmm. kind of um, near the harbor, is it um, Navy Pier, that's, and then looking back at the skyline of the whole city, Yeah, um, that to me is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We're neighbors. Yeah. I live like right by you, I think. <laughs> I, I think so too. Yeah, I'm very close to Navy Pier. Um, what song or musician is on repeat for you right now? 
the weekend. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> Love him. Yeah, everything. It's just so great. Gets you in the mood, pumps you up. Yeah, he's so good. Do you have a favorite book or a current book that you're reading right now, or both? I guess that's two questions in one. <laughs> Do read a lot. What have I read that I really loved? Um, Where the Crawdads Sing is mm. amazing. And then also, okay, The Final Swipe. And I plug this book a lot. Um, it's written by an intuitive dating coach called, um, her name is Nikki Novo. And it's basically a way to remove your blocks any blocks that may prevent you from like entering into the relationship that you truly desire so it's seeing where your head's at and like if you say you're never going to meet any like good guy in chicago then like you literally won't because that is the expectation you're putting out there right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this book just really changed my mentality like yes it was about dating but at its core, it was about like acknowledging beliefs, releasing them, and getting clear on your desires. Mm. And that it changed my life. So good. I'll link that below for everybody, myself included. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, coffee or tea? Coffee. Same. What's your favorite way to take care of your body? Resting, mm-hmm. napping, sleeping, just mm-hmm. laying in my bed. I mean, to be honest, I pretty much lay in bed until noon every yeah. day and I'll do a little work on my computer or I like drink coffee, but, um, a slow start to the day helps, um, helps my mind be as sharp as it can be in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And lastly, what does mindfulness mean to you? So to me, mindfulness is paying attention with care. Um, and so I think when we pay attention with care, we are tapping into like a sense of well-being that arises when like when we treat ourselves and others with kindness, compassion, and respect. Mm, so good. Okay, well, this has been so lovely to have you on here. I truly just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable and transparent with your journey. And again, even though I'm not personally suffering from illness, it's so impactful and imperative that we have humans like you walking the earth to expand on this consciousness, you know, for those who are suffering and to extend empathy. Yeah, for, for those of us bearing witness. So you've taught me so much and have really opened my eyes a great deal. So I can't wait to connect with you. Yeah. Once this all settles and yeah, once the world starts to heal. Yes. Let's please go to chill. I would love it. Well, please take care of yourself. Stay healthy. And I can't wait to hug you. Thank you. Bye, Cassandra. Thanks. Bye. Thank you to all of you for tuning into this episode. I just feel so lit up and overwhelmed with gratitude for humans like Kelsey who are willing and able to crack themselves open so the rest of us can benefit. I just am so thankful for my health and even more grateful to have been given the gift of empathy and just a deeper understanding of what it's like for those who are fighting for a sliver of their health. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to work so, so very hard to never take this vessel of mine for granted. Um, And with that being said, if you guys have just 20 seconds, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review 
over on iTunes so that we can continue to just spread the love, spread the light, and crush all these taboo subjects around the human experience and get guests like Kelsey to keep coming back on um, and sharing their experiences with all of us. I would just appreciate that so very much. I love you all. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you back here next week.